welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today, Lead Pastor Rex Johnson continues his sermon on Jesus' healing ministry with a special message entitled, Jesus Loves Me and That's That. And now for today's message, here's Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. I'm doing a series on Wednesday nights simply entitled God Is, and and if you can't make Wednesday nights, if you can't make Wednesday nights, I would hope that you would get the podcast of the last two Wednesday nights. Two Wednesday nights ago, I spoke on Is God Enough, and last week I spoke on the situation that God is above it all. He is on top of it all, and and I I just feel like that those are things you need to listen to in this time that we're living in. And uh, last Sunday I spoke on Jesus' ministry was a healing one, so we're just going to go, we're just going to go to round two in that today, okay? We're going to go to round two, and I'm, I'm going to preach today, very simple, very simple. So if this is the first time you've ever heard me preach, I believe I can, I, I can, I can go a little deeper than this, but I don't ever get scuba gear on because I want to be able to preach to people that don't understand the Word of God. So we don't try to be real deep here, we try to be informative in this church. And I want to speak today on Jesus loves me, and that's that. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves me, and that's that. That'll make you happy. Clap your hands real big. You may be seated. You may be seated. Where's that come from? I wrote a story about a little girl in a church, and she was four years old, precious, adorable, outgoing. She loved to sing. She couldn't sing well, but she loved to sing. One Sunday morning, she ran down to the front of the church, and just before the start of the morning service, and with great excitement, she said, Pastor, can I sing a song this morning? Now, that's happened to me, but it's not me that I'm preaching about. Not wanting to say no or to be stumbling block to this little vivacious girl, the pastor said, of course you can. So he places her up on the platform and he announces to the congregation this little four-year-old girl is going to sing to start the service. And the pastor picked her up and stood her on the platform and turned her around to face the now expectant and smiling group of people in the church that day. And Mickey sang, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And then she sang the chorus, yes, Jesus, she said, loves. Loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. But she didn't say the Bible tells me so. When she got to yes, Jesus loves me, she said, and that's that. (laughs) And went skipping back to her seat. She was right on target. What more can I say? What more do you need to know? Jesus loves us. And that's that. I had a man several years ago, and I've told this story. I had a man that used to come to church here, and he was mentally challenged, and he was a, a good man, and he, he made dresses for Keith and Joyce's daughter, Kelly, and he was not a seamstress. But he wanted her to wear them, and Kelly looked like a little vagabond child many Sundays because Gilbert wanted her to wear these dresses. Kelly's sitting here today came into my office one day and he had made me a, he had made me a plaque. I thought it was homemade. It looked like a homemade plaque. He had made me a plaque and it had a, a, a piece of wood up here and then two chains, a piece of wood, two chains, a piece of wood. It said, Jesus loves you. So when I saw it, I, I, 
I didn't want to put it up in my office because it just, it didn't fit the decor, you know. And so he comes back about two weeks later, it's right, right before Christmas. He'd given this to me about the middle of the, of the month, and he came back about two weeks later, and he said, I, I, need that, I need that plaque back. And I said, why? Why? He said, because I stole it. And he said, they told me at the store if I didn't return it, they was going to put me in jail. So I gave him back the plaque that said, Jesus loves me. I'm going to preach about it today, and I'm not going to take it back. (laughs) Jesus loves us. This I know. Jesus loves us, for the Bible tells us so. But here's the problem. Here's the issue. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we turn away from Jesus. Sometimes we look for love and happiness and meaning in all the wrong places, excitement, fulfillment, in places that we don't need to go. And we wind up empty. We wind up frustrated, disillusioned. Some of you may have heard the story about a man who ordered a house, a tree house over the internet. And when the box arrived, it had printed on the top words that have become very much every parent's nightmare. It said, some assembly required. So the man began to assemble the treehouse, but would you believe it? As he laid out the parts on the floor, he began reading the instructions. He realized to his dismay that the instructions were for a treehouse, but the parts were for a sailboat. The next day, he sent a very angry email message to the company complaining about the mix-up, and back came the reply, we are truly sorry for the error and the mix-up and the inconvenience. However, it might make you feel better and make you smile to consider the fascinating possibility that somewhere today there's a man out on a lake (laughs) trying to float and sail your treehouse. The point is clear. To put some things together, you have to have the right parts and the right instruction. That's where faith comes in. If you don't receive this word today by faith, it will be nothing but words from my mouth. The only way you can put your life together is through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Anybody that's put their faith in Christ, would you clap your hands and say, I've done that. That's what makes it work. That's the way to assemble your life. You're rooted in Christ. You tie it to Jesus Christ. You're grounded in Jesus Christ. Max Licata is one of my favorite men to read about and read from, and he wrote, When God Whispers Your Name, he put dramatically and graphically like this. He says, Take a fish and place him on a beach. Watch his gills gasp and his scales dry. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover that fish with a mountain of cash? Do you get a beach chair and sunglasses for him? Do you bring him a playfish magazine and a martini? Do you wardrobe him in a double-breasted fins and people-skinned shoes? Of course not. So how do you make him happy? You put him back in his element. That's what you do. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach because he was not made for the beach. He was made for the water. And the same is true for you and me today. And here in this Thanksgiving and this Thanksgiving time, this November to remember, we were made for fellowship with the Lord Almighty. And apart from that, apart from that, we will never be happy in our life. 
He saved us. He redeemed us. He turned our life around and we'll be happy never without him. Only with him will we be happy. That's what in the past of John 15 is all about. Just a few days before the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. Say, I'm the branch. In other words, he said, stay connected to me and you'll live and you'll thrive and you'll bear fruit. But apart from me, you will wither and you will die. Hallelujah. Did anybody get up today just to come to church? Or did anybody get up today to come and fellowship Jesus Christ? Amen. We all look nice in here today. I, you folks dress up so nice on Sunday morning, but it's not how you dress. Sure, I want you to dress up for church, but I want your soul to dress up for a fellowship time with Jesus Christ. We just have about this long in your whole week, but why don't we praise him and fellowship with him today and say, this is what I'm about. This is when I'm happy, when I'm in fellowship with the Almighty. If you build on any other foundation, it'll fade. You must build your life on Jesus Christ. You gotta stay connected. Let me give you three thoughts, just three little thoughts. First of all, you gotta stay connected to the Lord's servant mentality. Lord, help me. Serving others, loving others, reaching out to others, helping others. Without question, the approach, the lifestyle that Jesus chose was helping others. He had to go apart just to get rest sometime. And one day when he went apart from all of them, they followed him to the desert. And he had to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Because Jesus was always about serving others. There was a book written called Living on Tiptoe. And it was about... A man, there was a man honored in there called Albert Schweitzer who was a great, great scientist, a great man in our life, in our world. The University of Chicago planned to give him an honorary degree. And when Albert Schweitzer's train arrived in Chicago, the university leaders ran to greet him warmly and told him they were so happy to have him in America. But then as they turned to leave the train, suddenly Schweitzer was missing. He was gone. He just disappeared, vanished, slipped away. And they looked everywhere for him. Finally, they found him. And when they found him, he was carrying a suitcase for an elderly woman. He saw that she was having trouble and rushed over to help her. You see, it was so much a part of his life to be a servant to other people that it was as natural as breathing for him. And when he got off the train to begin immediately to look for somebody to help, that was his approach to life. And he had learned from the Bible. He had learned that in church. He had learned that from Jesus Christ. Schweitzer loved to help other people because he was strongly connected to Christ and his servant mentality. And all of a sudden, those university officials that had come to get him off the plane tried to find some other little woman that they could help. Because all of a sudden, Dr. Schweitzer made them feel about this tall. They felt pygmy because Dr. Schweitzer had this servant's heart in his life. I want to tell you something, church. You've got to get this. If you don't get anything else I say today, if Jesus served, he was the mightiest that ever walked, then we should serve. When that, when, that, when that thing come on the screen today about next Saturday, us serving the city, I applauded it. I didn't get anybody else to clap with me. I guess you just thought I was clapping for a sermon I was about to preach. But I'm so happy that this church is going to step outside itself 
and going to feed over a thousand people next Saturday because we just love people and we love to help people. Amen. Every time I see, every time I see a single girl that is pregnant and carrying the child, it makes it reminds me to tell me that we're helping the pregnancy resource center down here. We're giving them offerings and blessing them and having people work for them because we want to help somebody. Every time I see somebody go out and take care of the people that have that have been hurt in the storms and hurt in the floods and hurt in the fire, and we've got people that go out and do their job and do their work and they never complain about it, but when you talk to them, they just light up and. You know why? Because they got a hold of the servant mentality of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. We need to be thankful for what we have. But we also need to be grateful enough to want to help somebody else. Put that over against this. Some years ago, Mother Teresa was asked by a reporter, What's your biggest problem? Without hesitation, she said, my biggest problem, sir, is professionalism. That's my biggest problem. Here are these servants of Jesus who care for the the poorest of the poor, and I have no one. I have one who just went off and came back from college with a medical degree and others have come back with registered nurses degree and another has a master's in social work, and when they come back with their degrees, their first question always is, where is my office? Then she said, you know what I do? I send them over to the house of the dying where they simply hold the hands of dying people for six months and after that they're ready to be a servant again. That was the greatness of Mother Teresa, her unflinching commitment to stay connected to Jesus' servant mentality. That's calling, that's your calling in mind as Christians not to be prima donnas, not to be divas, but to be Christ-like servants. Servant strongly and unwaveringly connected to Christ's servant mentality. I was, I was downtown not long ago, and I was walking to a downtown building, and a young woman was just behind me. I don't know if she is pretty or not. I just know she is a lady. Naturally, I held the door open for her. She was offended by that, and she said, you didn't have to hold the door open for me because I'm a lady. She was one of those. And I said, I didn't hold the door open for you because you were a lady. I held the door open for you because you're a person. And I hope, I hope that mama taught me how to be a gentleman. I said, I learned in Sunday school a long time ago to be courteous and polite. If you had been a man, I'd have I'd held the door open for you also. And she said, cool. And I said, yeah, it is cool to be a servant. There's nobody up here preaching today that seeks preeminence. We all have got to step down. We all have got to be what God wants us to be. Because when we're serving, we're moving forward. When we're serving, we're growing. When we're serving, when we get entitled, we're not growing. We're going down. But when we serve, we're moving up. Anybody want to have fellowship with a serving Christ here today? Anybody in the house? Secondly, we've got to stay connected to his great promise. Everybody say his great promise. promise. You know what the promise was? Lo, I am with you always. Anybody connected to that? I have a question for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I heard about the old boy that was going to get on the airplane and somebody said, it ain't no problem. God said he'd be with you. He said, no, he said, lo, I'd be with you, not high. That's an old joke, but it's still funny. 
Do you believe that? Do you really believe that he is with us? Do you believe that he will never, never leave us? Do you believe he will never, 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 never forsake us? Do you believe he'll be with us always, even to the end? Do you believe that God is with you today? That promise, Christ's presence always been with him, has kept early disciples going. It gave them strength and assurance and hope and courage and comfort and inspiration. I will not leave you alone. I will be with you always. Let me tell you something. If God's ever made you a promise, let it never be taken from you. God keeps his word. In the Old Testament, there was a child born to a Shunammite woman in the book of Kings. And her promise was from a prophet. And that child was out in the field one day and suffered a head trauma and came in and died in the mother's arms. The promise from God had died in her arms. A woman who could not have children had a child, then he suffered a head trauma, came in, and he died. But she knew what to do. She went to the man of God. He came and restored the son back to his parents because God keeps his word. Here's what I want to preach. Do not let his promise die in your house. Do not let his promise die in your life. We are living in a cataclysmic society. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. But I do know one thing that's going to be here with us. He'll always be with us. He'll always be with us. Oh, I got to preach that. He'll always be with us. This morning, this morning, I'm standing at the door. I'm standing at the door this morning. And this little precious kid named Faith walked in the church. And many of you was here a long time ago know her story. Her mother gave birth to her on a certain day. And her mother died the next day. And Faith was one day old when dad had a little one day old baby on his hands. But they named her Faith. And I've preached all over the country. I've seen Faith grow. Boy, there's your metaphor. I've seen Faith grow. <laughs> and she walked in today. I hollered to the, to, the, to, the, to the parking lot. I've got five hugs left. I just have five left. Who wants them? Several men came running. <laughs> I'm teasing. But her mother had counted. I'd hug four people in front of her. And she said, here, you let pastor hug you. And I hug little, little Faith. And she said, hug me, pastor. I'm special. <laughs> I wish somebody in this church would get a hold of that mentality. That you're not God's afterthought. You're not God's oops. You're not God's mistake. You are God's apple of his eye. You're the greatest thing that he ever created. He made all this world just for you. He made everything just for you. You need to bask in the presence of God because your promise is still as real today as it was the day you were born again. Come on, throw your hands in the air and say, I'm special. I'm special. If she was close to this platform, I'd have her run down here and I'd hug her again. You're special. Don't let the promise of God that he gave you die in your heart. He's special. You're special. God loves you. Oh, but pastor, he can't love me. I'm a loser. I don't have it together. I'm discombobulated. My life is terribly deficient. I don't have what it takes to make it. Nobody does. 
That's why we've all sinned and come short of the glory. But because of Calvary, he made us faithful. He made us worthy because of the cross. And if the cross doesn't make you feel special, nothing will make you feel special. He died for you, so you won't have to die for him. You live for him because he died for you. But you need to wake up every morning and say, I'm, a, I'm special K today. I'm special. There's something special about me because Jesus loves me even in my mess. He loves me even in my dilemma. He loves me even in my phobias. He loves me even in my down and out times. He loves me. Jesus loves me. Brother Reuben, as loud as you holler at me, you need to believe that. You need to believe that. Jesus loves you. You have problems with that, Brother Reuben, but Jesus loves you, buddy. Hallelujah. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Everybody say, he loves me. Because I'm special. And I will not let the promise die in my heart. Number three, you have to stay connected to his amazing grace. It's not works that got you here. By grace you were saved. Through faith, not of works. Lest any man should boast. It is grace that saved you. It is grace. You can't ever get good enough to get God. But grace can find you where you are. And clean you up and turn your life around and make you something special because that's what grace does. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm bewildered today. I'm bewildered today that people can come and hear building preaching and hear building preaching. And by Tuesday, many of them are fighting the fight of their life. Can I just be straightforward? This that works on Sunday works on Monday, works on Tuesday. I did a sermon one time on the most, the most horrible day of the week, the most uneventful day of the week. You know what it is? It's Tuesday. Friday is the greatest day of the week because it's payday. Saturday is Wonderful day because you get to spend your money and you're broke by Sunday. But Sunday is the third favorite day of the week because people go to church. Monday's the worst day of the week because they have to go back to work. Wednesday, we call it hump day because we're getting close to being to the end of the week again. Thursday's called expectation day and Friday we're back at again. But Tuesday, it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any remedy at all. It gives nothing. It, it, there's nothing about Tuesdays, Tuesday, nothing. But I read the first miracle that Jesus had performed was on the third day, which was a Tuesday. And I read in the, in the Old Testament that God planted the herb bearing seed on a Tuesday. He plants stuff in you when you're going through your worst dilemma that will grow and be strong and cause you to flourish in the kingdom of God. Amen. So here's what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if it's Tuesday, irrelevant Tuesday. God is the same on Tuesday as he is on Sunday. He's the same on Wednesday as he is on Sunday. I know I'm preaching very shallow. I told you I would. But I'm telling you, you're special. And you need to remember the amazing grace of Almighty God.
I remember the story about an old minister, and I'm closing, about an old minister who dreamed that he had, he had died and was trying to get to heaven. And when he approached the gate, St. Peter told him he needed 100 points to get in. Proudly, the minister said, well, I was a minister for 43 years. And Pete said, that's fine. That's worth one point. <laughs> Is that all? Just one point for 43 years? That's right. Well, I visited shut-ins. One point. I worked with young people. One point. I developed a number of fine scout programs. <laughs> one more point. That makes four points. Pete said, you need 96 more. Oh, God, the minister said in panic, I feel so helpless, so inadequate, except for the grace of God, I don't have a chance to go. And Pete said, grace of God, 96 points, come on in. <laughs> I love John Newton's story. I'm not going to tell it all today, but he was a slave trader. That got caught in a horrible storm one day and he realized the only thing that was going to save him was the amazing grace of God. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your past is today. The grace of God is still amazing. It is still amazing today. Amen. It's still amazing. The grace of God is still amazing to our lives and our hearts today. Receive his love. See, here's the problem and I close. Somebody help me. Randy. Oh, Randy's not here. Come on, Ann, sweet Ann. Here, here's our problem, and I'm going to close with this. Here's our issue. Here's our dilemma. Our dilemma is that when we get to feeling down, stay with me now, we want to give away our love. Because if I can give something away, I'll feel better. And we believe that with the service mentality, we do give. Give and it shall be given. But it's going to be given back to you greater than you ever gave it. But here's the, here's the real strength. Psychologists say that in order to grow in your life, it's not what you give away in love that matters. It's how you can receive love that matters. Can you receive love? There's people running around with heartache and pain and suffering and all kinds of situations in your life. You say, Pastor, I give to the poor. Pastor, I help the needy. Pastor, I do all of this. But can you receive? I love John. I love John. The gospel of John. I love that man. He got it. He got it. He said, I'm not even going to tell you my name in this book. I'm just going to write who I am, the disciple. Jesus loved. That's who I am. Now, I know it may sound cocky today for this preacher up here that don't have a lot of hair and eats too much bluebell ice cream. But I know one thing about my Savior. His grace has saved me. When I wasn't worthy of His grace, when I couldn't find anything to save me, his grace saved me. And it makes me feel so blessed today. And so I'm going to say it, write it up, chalk it up as confident, cocky, whatever you want to write it up. But I'm going to say it. I'm the disciple Jesus loves today. He loves me. How can you say that, preacher? 
with all the things you've gone, with all the stuff that you've lost, I'm just telling you, he loves me. And that's that. That's just all it's about. A four-year-old child preached to a church one Sunday morning. And a 60-something, 200-pound-something, none of your business how much that is. Preached to you this morning that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And that's that. It's the way it is. My dad and my mom, special people. I miss them. They had a Pomeranian dog named Tyson after the boxer. And one day that Pomeranian died. He never was house broke. The house proved it. But that dog was treated with such honor, it made me fret as a son that I didn't get that same honor. When he wouldn't eat, my daddy would get down in the floor and lay down and put kibbles and bits in his mouth, lay on the floor and feed that dog by hand. Daddy would carry him around, take him to town, carry him, take him to Walmart, carrying that dog. Nobody fussed with my daddy at 6'5". You can have that dog in here, Mr. Johnson. That's fine. Just don't let him down. I won't. That dog was so honored, so blessed. And I wonder if he really realized it. And I'm not, I'm not using that phrase on this congregation. But dogs are unlearned. They don't understand the real love. He just knew that his bowl was always full and he had potty rights anywhere in the house. And then one day he died. And at his death, my dad built a pine box coffin. And he put a 1 by 12 board on top of that and then put dirt on that 1 by 12 board. He painted a cross. He made a cross and painted it white, stuck it in the ground. And I went and he said, son, I want you to come see where Tyson's buried. I went back there in the back and I'm glad I didn't have a hat on. Daddy said, here it is, son. That's where my little, my little boy's buried. I'm standing there beside him and I'm saying, no. It made me cry to see the love that a man had for a little dog. And I'm not trying to tell a dog story to get you convicted today, but folks, listen. Listen. The Bible said he sees the sparrow when they fall. He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows you. He loves you. In all your warts and all your scars and all your stuff, he still loves you today. You can't do bad enough for him not to love you. You can't walk too far away for him not to love you. He still loves you today. He's still in love with you because you are the creation that he came to die for.
Bow your heads and close your eyes just a moment. Father, wow. Let somebody in this house receive your love today. God, they've tried to do so good and they keep falling down. Let somebody receive your love today. Just receive it. Just say, Jesus loves me and that's that. I am so special. I am so special. I wish, I wish I could preach it like some men can preach it. I wish I could use words like they use. I wish I was a wordsmith like some men that I know that I love and admire. But I am so passionate about telling you today that Jesus Christ really does love you. He really does love you. He really does. Can you stand to your feet all over the building right now? You're awesome people. You're so awesome. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want our prayer team to come right quick up here to the front. And if some of you just need to have a good touch from the Lord in your life today, maybe you need salvation, maybe you need healing. But Jesus' ministry was a healing one. And one of the things that heals us is to know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm loved by him. I am loved by him. I am loved by him. If you want to walk down right now, just let somebody pray for you. Your head bowed, your eyes closed, nobody looking. Just come on down right now. Here they come. All over. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.